Hi, podcast fans. Welcome to season six of Lighting Your Way. This season, like our first one, highlights the stories of our nurses' work with our patients. At the end of each story, you'll hear at least one takeaway that we hope will empower you to be your own advocate. In this first episode of season six, I talk with my guardian nurses colleague, Stephanie McCool, who shares a story about a young man who arrived in the ER with very common symptoms, but in the end, not so common a diagnosis. Welcome back to uh, the Lighting Your Way podcast, Steph. It's good to have you again. Good to, it's good to be talking about the story. Thank you, Betty. Yeah. The, um, you know, we, we've talked a little bit in, in previous seasons about, you know, how do we encourage our patients to be more empowered and, you know, to take ownership as much as they can of their healthcare experience. And I think that in season six, we are coming back to our team and asking each one of you to tell a story and to give us your, in a sense, takeaway for the story uh, so that our listeners can learn and, and become more empowered and, and feel like there is a light at the end of the tunnel uh, when they're dealing with the healthcare system. So I know you had a uh, a very good story the last couple of weeks. Uh, why don't you tee it up for us? Sure, sure. So I met a young gentleman in his um, mid-20s a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got a call about him, a direct call, and I went to the hospital to check in on him. Uh, when I got there, he was in a hospital room um, with his mom, dad, sister, and his fiance. Uh, he was very sick. Um, you could tell he just wasn't feeling well. Uh, he was throwing up a lot. He was very pale, very weak, in a lot of pain. So mm -hmm. I asked them what had happened. Mm -hmm. And the fiance said that about five days prior, he was at work and he started to experience some tingling and numbness on the left side of his face. Oh. When he got home, this kind of progressed and he became dizzy, but just a little bit dizzy, not too bad. The next couple of days, the dizziness got progressively worse and worse. And by the weekend, he had started with nausea, vomiting, and hiccups that just would not stop. He could, he could not stop throwing up regardless of what they tried. So he finally presented to the ER. And by the time he got there, on top of all of these symptoms, he was extremely weak. He couldn't even walk straight because his balance was so off. Um, so they took him back. Um, they did an exam. They did some labs and a CAT scan. Everything was okay from that. So the ER doctor quickly said, you know, you're young, you're healthy. This is probably just vertigo. Um, and they were ready to discharge him home. But <laughs> Okay. <Yes>. Next. <laughs> yes. No real treatment in the emergency room other than it'll resolve itself. You know, it takes them over the counter, you know, meclizine for it, you know, and you'll, you'll be okay in a couple of days. Well, the, so. let me ask you. So the CAT scan was, was clear. The, the labs came back as I guess within normal limits. So there was nothing yes. really presenting itself uh, from those diagnostic tests. No. No, those two tests were completely normal. Um, okay. Did they do a neuro evaluation? 
they did not at this point. Nope, no noro eval, just quick ER doc. You know, okay. this is probably vertigo, nothing serious, will resolve on its own. And told them basically go follow up with your primary care doctor in a couple of days. And if it gets worse, come on back to the emergency room. Oh. Okay. Wow. Not what they wanted to hear, I'm sure. No, no. Um, so in the emergency room, the fiance was bedside, thank goodness. Um, because she <laughs> she is a true, true advocate. Um, she had been there for him. She she had been there with him experiencing all these symptoms. So um, she had said to the ER doctor, well, you know, this all started with numbness and ting tingling on his face. You know, would vertigo bring that on? Is that how vertigo starts? And the <laughs> ER doctor admitted, no, you know, vertigo does not present with numbness and tingling. So she spoke up and she said, well, I think we need to do an MRI or more testing to figure out what's going on. Wow. Good for her. I know. I know. Ooh. She's amazing. Um, and she's young too, you know, mid twenties. So it, <laughs> okay. was, it was amazing to see her advocate like that for him. Um, so they did an MRI and lo and oh, behold. So wait, wait. So <laughs> based on her suggestion or based on her conversation with the ER doc, they, they allowed the MRI? Yes. Yep, they did the yeah. MRI. I'm not, uh, she was very convincing or maybe her bringing that up to the ER doctor made him remember, yes, you know, I, we forgot. We forgot that this is how he presented right. instead of, right. you know, the ER doctor's just looking, oh, dizziness, nausea, vomiting, vertigo. Um, right. But they agreed to do the MRI. Wow. And what did the MRI show? The MRI showed um, two lesions in his brain. Uh, there Ooh. was a white plaque lesion on his brain stem, which was a pretty good size. And then a very small one on his, uh, the front of his brain, his frontal lobe. Um, wow. So was the, wow, this must've been surprising to the emergency room doctor. Extremely surprising. Everything <laughs> took a very quick turn. He was immediately admitted. Uh, he underwent MRIs of his spine, his neck. Um, he had an MRI with dye to his brain. Um, they actually set him up and they did um, a lumbar puncture to look at his spinal fluid to see if there was any infections or anything that would explain these lesions on his brain. Um, and what they actually, were they, Steph, what were they thinking about at this point where, where they communicate? I'm sure the family was a little bit concerned now that they, yes, yes, they now, were. So, so did, uh, did the doctor communicate what they were looking for or rolling uh, out? Not at first, at first they really weren't communicating. Um, and then that, that's when I went up to the hospital and I spoke with them and I kind of explained the test because unfortunately the medical team was not communicating um, what the tests were for and what the results were. So mm -hmm. after looking, I was able to get them set up with a portal so they could see all of his test results live in person. And oh, um, they great. gave me permission to sit there with them and we went through everything. And from all the tests, it looked like they were ruling out um, any kind of infection to the brain, like a, a meningitis. Um, okay. They also were looking for multiple sclerosis because of the place of the lesions. 
they were ruling out um, cancer. So they were mm-hmm. doing scans of his belly and everything too, to make sure that there weren't tumors in other parts of his belly. Um, they were wow. the three big ones that they were. Well, kind of I mean, doing. from, from, we're going to discharge you to, <laughs> to like every test in the book, right? Yes. Get a, yep. Wow. Oh, they must just, have been scared. Completely based on her pushing, you know, that, that was the amazing yeah. part. Um, so he was in the hospital, I think for three days. Um, every test was done. Every lab was done. It was the perfect workup. Neurology was involved. Um, GI was involved. Cardiology. They got every specialty involved to make sure that there was no stone unturned. Right. And at the end of the day, um, there was very minor concerns for multiple sclerosis. Okay. Um, they also were considering that he had um, some sort of infection, you know, that may not have been showing up, but an old infection that could have brought all of these symptoms on. And mm-hmm. um, they, they were suspicious that maybe the lesions were old from that. Mm-hmm. So prior to prior to the Tuesday when he began experiencing, you know, the initial symptoms had like I had a case many years ago where, you know, the 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 patient had actually it was like a month prior when something had actually happened and she had forgotten about it Mm -hmm. because it resolved. But it was this incident where it was a spore that got into her heart. I mean, it was a long story, yeah, but yes. but she had to think back. And it was really just through being reminded, kind of working through her day to day that she was able to then, oh, right, I that happened. Was there anything that the fiance or the patient remembered about his history that would have pulled yes. him in? Um, oddly enough, back in June, he he's very active and he was playing soccer. And his mom and fiance remembered that at one of the games, um, you know, he took a soccer ball right to his head and he felt a little bit dizzy after um, no like signs of a real concussion or anything like that going on. Um, But they kind of just forgot about it. You know, he got hit in the head and that was it. They moved on. Um, So that's what they did remember that that had happened back in June. And did the physicians think that that was uh, important to the case, to the whole workup? Initially, no. In the hospital, they did not. Um, okay. But at our follow-up appointments, um, that really came into play. Huh. Why? What was the What was the suspicion? So we were able to see, we went to two different health systems to see their neuroimmunologists um, to have them look at the scans and see about this multiple sclerosis possible diagnosis. And um, they reviewed everything. Everything was negative for multiple sclerosis, except for these small lesions that were, you know, worrisome, slightly worrisome. Um, So she went through the history, really focused on this injury back in June. And Hmm. what she said, um, which I've never heard of, I learned something new this day, that a concussion, he probably suffered a concussion back in June. You know, brain takes a long time to heal and get back to normal. So um, he probably developed a virus, which brought on, you know, the symptoms of nausea, vomiting, all of that not feeling good. 
But as that virus was brewing in his body, all of the concussion symptoms came rushing back. Wow. Which I, I've Wait. never heard of that before. No, that's a, wow. That was the neuroimmunologist coming up with that? Yes. Yeah. Wow. She so, was wonderful. Wow. So yep. a neuroimmunologist. Now, so explain what that is. So a neurologist is obviously working with the brain and its function. An immunologist is working on, you know, the immune system and things that can go wrong. Mm -hmm. How do you bring the two of those together in a neuroimmunologist? So there are certain um, conditions that affect the brain that are brought on by the immune system um, kind of attacking itself. And one of those diseases is multiple sclerosis. So for some reason, um, the immune system actually attacks the muscle, the myelin cells in the brain. And that is what causes multiple sclerosis. So because that was suspected, they wanted him to see a specialist who really, really is familiar with what the lesions look like when it comes to multiple sclerosis. That's great. Right. Mm -hmm. And did you go with them to that appointment? I was on the phone. Um, they have a very large supportive family. So um, they were only going to allow two in. So <laughs> couldn't get a ticket for the appointment. <laughs> <laughs> And then standing room only there. Exactly, exactly. So I stayed on the phone with them for this visit and all of their visits. Um, so this way I could be looped in and I could ask questions and make sure that you know they were getting an appropriate level of care. That's great. That's great. Yeah, because I'm sure. Listen, I'm I'm sure if they're you know coming out of the hospital with all the stuff that's coming at them, all the information, all the appointments, all the tests. Uh, to have you there to decipher much of it was uh, extremely helpful, I bet. Yes, yes, because the, in the hospital, the workup was so intense. You know, when he got admitted, there were just test results coming every five minutes. Right. So, you know, I was, I was happy to be able to be there to go over each result in live time to kind of give them a little bit of an explanation, like, oh, not looking like an infection or this is what it could be, this we can rule out. So I know that they were very thankful for that. Yeah, you're, you're part of our role is, is like an interpreter, right? So when, yes. when results are coming and we can interpret and, and, you know, to be there in real time, as you said, is hugely helpful, especially mm -hmm. when they're, uh, as I said before, they're scared, right? There's this stuff is coming at them pretty quickly, and and he's young and he's healthy, and all of a sudden he's nauseous, can't walk straight, and uh, it's scary. Yes, yes, very yeah. scary. So what was the like? What was the final outcome? So the neuroimmunologist renders her opinion, and what was the final outcome? So that is pretty much what we're what we're leaning towards. Um, they're going to do a repeat MRI in November. Um, but the neuroimmunologist and the neurologist really don't believe that he has multiple sclerosis. Um, you know, oh. they kept saying there's always the possibility, but with everything else being negative and the way his symptoms took a long time to resolve, um, they really feel like it, it's not, which is great news. And and we're recording this in September. So he's is he feeling good? Is he back to work? Is he, he normal? Is. Like yep. Um, I guess it took about three, two, three weeks for the symptoms to really resolve. 
And the neuroimmunologist said it would take about three weeks usually for your body to completely rid yourself of a virus. So she was spot on with the timing. Um, so he is back to work. He's feeling good, an occasional headache, um, but he is he's back to his old self. And pending the results of the of the additional testing in November, he'll then not have to follow up with anybody. If it's stable, they'll probably just see him. Uh, I believe neuroimmunologists will do a follow up in about six to twelve months, just to okay. make sure there's no changes after that. Um, but if it's gotten smaller, if these kind of weird lesions are resolving, then they'll probably just tell him not necessary, no more follow up. Wow. So, you know what? What? What's um, I guess heartwarming to me about this story is that once they did do the workup, thanks to the fiance asking, it sounds like they did a good job of of making sure that all um, you know all issues were addressed, or you know they looked under every uh, cupboard and you know inside every cupboard and made sure that he was at least getting the testing that he needed to mm -hmm. make a determination. So that. That makes me feel good that the healthcare system, without too much pushing by you, so that makes me feel good. Although, you know, with with any kind of crisis and urgency, it's nice to have you there explaining things. So that's you know the value of having having you as as your uh, mobile care coordinator is is a lot, you know, it's a lot more impactful than than hearing about it the next day and trying to explain it. Exactly. Yeah. The, the being there lifetime really, I think, ate it in them dealing with the whole hospitalization and the crisis that they were in. Yeah. So, Steph, we, we talk about this all the time, and I know that I've asked other our other colleagues and our other guests. When you when you hear stories like this, or you go through a situation like this, you know, we're nurses. We do it kind of just with our eyes closed. What 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 to you was was the takeaway for this for our listeners who aren't nurses or who don't have a nurse in the family? What would you like to recommend to non-clinical people when they're going through something? So always trust your gut. Um, you know, if your family member or yourself are not feeling well, you know your body and your family member's body better than any healthcare professional that, you know, they're just meeting for the first time. So be sure when you go in, give a good history, list every symptom that they've been having, anything that seems off about them, because that will really help guide the doctors in coming up with a diagnosis. I think sometimes doctors will look at someone and just check the boxes in a sense in the emergency room. Like this boy, he was young, he was healthy, no medical problems. So, okay, nausea, vomit, vomiting, dizziness, vertigo, and just checked it and really didn't think about that full history and the symptoms that started everything in the first place. So mm -hmm. trust your and gut were and not, push. Yeah, were it not for his fiance kind of, re, re, and, and I guess um, one of the things I remember, I, re, I read this book, many years ago, How Doctors Think. Mm -hmm. And uh, they talked about just the very, the linear uh, differential diagnosis. They go down to your point, checking boxes, thinking about, okay, nausea, vomiting, dizziness. Okay, if it's this, then it's that, boom. Mm -hmm. And what you need to do as a patient or as someone advocating for a patient is to get them to think outside of that linear up and down line. 
you, you have to, one of the suggestions the book made was to say, okay, what's the worst that this could be? To, to kind of encourage them to think outside, outside of that line. Mm-hmm. And um, I know it's not necessarily the greatest question you want to ask a doctor in a crisis, but what's the worst this could be? Because it makes them stop and think about all the potentials that it could be and go down to the, quote, worst. Yes. So that they can hopefully have a, a discussion with you and then you can think about the alternatives like like the fiance the fiance did is, you know, does does you know, does vertigo present with nausea and vomiting? Or I'm sorry, with, 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 um, with the, left sided, I'm sorry, with the left sided weakness, yeah, tingling on the facial. And no, it doesn't. Ah, okay. So she made him think outside of that linear um, approach. And yes. I think that really helped, uh, helped him for sure. Um, what if, I, I guess I, I don't, I mean, we could always deal on what ifs, but if she hadn't and they go, they get discharged, then he comes back, then it's yet another frustrating time for them. They come back in, maybe he, God forbid, a little worse, right? So then we're behind the eight ball. So, you know, all around, it was better for her to challenge the physician at the time prior to discharge. So good for her. Yeah, he he definitely would have presented again to the ER probably several times uh, until he was admitted because until he got the fluid and, you know, anti-nausea meds and everything in his system IV, you know, those symptoms really didn't start to resolve. So he would have, you know, he would have went downhill pretty quickly, especially with the dehydration. Wow. What an experience. I, I mean, I'm so happy that he's well, right. And, mm-hmm. and on the mend, as we say, and his brain's uh, recovering, those viruses are nasty little things. They are, they, can, they are. Can really throw a whole body into some weird stuff bring up things that you know you don't even think about it It, it's crazy yeah that case i was i was telling you about that young woman um her she had been rafting uh in the um brandywine and uh she essentially a spore got into her uh body and attacked her heart so you know young woman uh but she she's doing well now and uh, she's actually now a physician. She's going into oh, cardiology. Wow. Yeah, great story. Um, but Steph, thank you for telling us about this one. I am so happy that he's well and that you're there to support them because uh, your help is just as valuable as having a, a fiance who's who's <laughs> who's got the ability to stand toe to toe with an ER doc and and question uh, question him. So yes, thank, thank you, you. for, for uh, being on the podcast and thanks for telling the story. Oh, thank you, Betty. All right. Take care. We'll talk to you next time. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. 
So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.